Well, hi, and welcome to Get Podcasts. I am Tim Malone, executive coach and owner of Your Life's Direction, an executive coaching and learning and development provider and an HR consulting firm. Welcome to 2024. This is our first Get Podcast of the new year. Perhaps you're asking, what is a Get Podcast? Well, a Get Podcast is, as the name suggests, where learners can gather, empower, and transform together through a series of insightful podcast discussions with expert leaders from all backgrounds and all industries. And as we continue to discuss leadership, today I am very pleased to be joined by Dr. Oge Austin Chuku. Oge is a qualified leadership and executive coach who works with individuals and organizations, helping them with clarity of vision, strategy, and performance. Oge is passionate about women in leadership, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and she is the co-founder of the Shira Network and co-host of the Shira Podcast. The Shira Podcast is a podcast for Black and Brown women in leadership. She serves in a number of leadership positions as an associate non-executive director on a hospital trust board and as chair of Freedom 2, a nonprofit organization. Oge is married to Austin and they have two adult children, Shona and Daniel. Okay, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you very much, Tim. I'm excited about our conversation today. Yeah, me too. So that is quite the introduction, a list of a lot of things <laughs> that you are involved with. Um, can you just start out by telling us a little bit about, I, I would love our, our audience to know that at one point you were a medical doctor as well. Can you just help us? Um, obviously, you're not practicing today. So, okay, could you tell us a little bit about the transition that occurred? Um, because you're obviously not doing that today. What what <laughs> made the switch? Right. So um, I have only just given up medical practice recently, actually. So I have practiced for more than 30 years. What made the switch? I had always had this interest in personal development, even as even as a doctor. And I remember lots of times organizing events uh, for people to come together and just develop themselves. And I was doing this while I was a doctor. And it wasn't until about, it was 2010, I believe it was. And I decided I wanted to take some time out of medicine just to explore other options because I didn't want to get to the end of my life and wonder what would have happened if I had. So I decided to take a year out. And during that year, I uh, attend, I went and trained as a coach. I also went to Bible college because it was something I'd always wanted to do, but never had the time to do. So at the end of my year out, I decided that I did love coaching and that there was a way that I could do both. So I went back to medical practice, but not to my practice as a full-time partner, but instead I started what you would call moonlighting so that I could do the coaching, but also um, continue practicing as a medical doctor. And I did that successfully for about, I don't know, 15 years or thereabouts. And it was only last in the last year that I decided I had um, paid my dues to medicine, if you like, yes. and that it, it was time to really put down my stethoscope so that I could give my attention to other things. 
Oh, that's so great. And how's it going since you did that? Um, it's going well. I believe I have made the right decision. It was difficult. I wouldn't, I wouldn't lie because um, when you've been a doctor as long as I have been, your identity kind of becomes, you know, entwined in, in the medical practice. So actually coming to that point where I decided that this was it was difficult to come to. But I am enjoying the freedom to explore other things and to really give my attention to the things that I'm currently involved in. And I am still um, part of the medical world because I sit on a hospital trust, like you said earlier. And I also appraise uh, my peers, doctors. So we in the UK have appraisals. So I am very much still um, close to the profession. I want to, I want to ask you about the um, Shira network. But, but before I do that, if I could just make a quick comment, here you are um, making, well, you've made the switch and you're an executive coach and that you are the first um, other executive coach that I've ever had on my podcast. So um, it's it's really fun to be able to talk to a, to another coach. But what, what I really appreciate about what it is that you said is that you didn't want to get to some point in your life and looking back, wishing you had made the change and that's the kind of advice I would assume that you're giving to those that you're coaching, or at least, at least, you know, sharing your own experience so they can learn and draw from, from your experience. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, Tim, people are always, people tend to be um, afraid to take, take risks because they, they do? don't know, they don't know what is on the other side of the jump. Yes. But I like to think that I would rather have tried and failed than not tried at all. Yes. And that's the sort of help that I can bring to my coaches is to help them make that leap, prepared for what's on the other side, but also prepared that if what's on the other side isn't exactly what they expected it to be, that there are other options and that that's not the end of it all. Yeah, it's all just part of that learning journey, isn't it? It is, yes. So, 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 okay, tell us a little bit about the, the Shira Network. What, what is that? So, uh, Shira is a name that many people haven't heard about. It's a name from the Bible. It's a woman. Um, I am a person of faith, so my faith is important to me. But on the back of what happened in 2020 with the Black Lives Matter protest, uh, a colleague and I, who is also an executive coach, came to the conclusion that we had to do more in the sense that we um, had to help black and brown people who were leaders more than we had up until that time been doing. So we came together and um, co-founded this, uh, the Shira Network. It's a social enterprise, so it is for profit, very much so. But basically we wanted to be able to help leaders who happen to be black or brown um, develop themselves and their leadership so that they could take their place at the table. But we also wanted to offer help to organizations that were very keen to um, improve their diversity, equity, and inclusion targets, but weren't quite sure how to do it or how to measure what they were doing. So the network is two-pronged. It helps the individuals, but also organizations that really keen to you know, do what they say they want to do. And on the back of that, we also host a podcast, which is uh, where we invite women leaders, black and brown, but we have had um, our white allies as well, men and women. 
And basically, it's really just to showcase what these women are doing, because we found that there were a number of women who were doing great work. There were leaders and leaders of leaders, but nobody really knew who they were. Nobody knew their journey. Nobody knew the challenges they'd faced and what they'd overcome. So our podcast is a way of highlighting to people, here are these amazing women doing these wonderful things, and here's what you can learn from them. That's so that's awesome. what we do. Yeah, that's really great. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, when I post my podcast, it would really be helpful um, to include a link to your podcast as well. So maybe you could you could send that to me. That would be awesome. Yeah, so that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, so that little conversation is really helpful. Let's, let's maybe transition. Mm. Um, as, as I mentioned in my introduction, what is a GET podcast? Well, you know, it's where leaders gather, where leaders empower together. And so I'm curious to know, as we begin our conversation today about leadership, how how would you define leadership? You mentioned that you work with women, black and brown women, regarding their leadership. What is leadership? I like I I I am a simple person. I might have a medical degree and all of that, but I like things simple. So one of the best definitions for leadership I've come across is the one by John Maxwell, where he says leadership is influence. That is what leadership is. It's the ability to, for someone to know the way and go the way, taking people along with them. But it's not just about taking people along with you, but it's also about ensuring that the people that you take with you are developed as they go, because there has to be transformation in them as they go as well. Um, and that for me is, is leadership. Yeah. So it sounds like the implicit um, or part of the your 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 definition includes the the fact that there have to be others. Um, there have to be others. You're influencing others, but it's not it's not from a selfish perspective. It sounds like your definition is more focused on those that are following and what are you the leader doing to nurture, develop, mentor, coach. You know, it, it, it sounds like it includes all of those things. Yes, it certainly does. Yes, it does. Because it's one thing to have a goal and achieve your goal. But if you get there and you're the only one there, or you get there and half your team has fallen by the wayside, or you haven't given them the opportunity to develop themselves, then for me, that isn't really a win. It's okay. a win when we all get there and we yeah. all get there having become better. Yeah, what a great, what a great metric, you know, that the, the other centeredness becomes your, your metric. And that's the reason why a leader essentially exists. Yeah. That's great. So the other thing that when you and I first met, um, okay, part of our conversation included, um, you know, particularly, again, going back to the work that you do with women, black and brown women around confidence. Tell, tell us a little bit about, about confidence and, and again, what, what made you zero in on that aspect of leadership, all the aspects of leadership that you could focus on. What about confidence? Well, um, it's personal as well, because when I first discovered that I had the gift of leadership, I wasn't very confident about it about myself as a leader. And part of the reason for that lack of confidence was 
this notion that in order to be a leader, I had to be bold, um, I had to be brash, I had to be, you know, the sort of person, the extrovert who's the center of the party, that sort of person. And my personality was not that at all. Uh-huh. I am more of an introvert. I am more uh, a quiet person. And so for me, learning that confidence, it's not all those things, but that confidence really is, according to the uh, Cambridge Dictionary, it's it's a quality of being certain about your abilities or a trust in people or in plans. So learning about confidence and the real meaning of confidence was a real game changer for me to step into my leadership with confidence. And during my work, not just as a a coach, but even before I became a coach, during my work, I found that women in particular were not as confident as they could be. And again, it might've been because they had this notion of what confidence looked like and it wasn't what they were. So it really became a pet subject of mine to, to help people see what confidence really is and that they can be confident in who they are using their particular personality, whatever it is, leading with the authentic selves. And it's really great for me when I see somebody who starts off with not having that much confidence. And by the time we finish working together, it's like, oh, okay, I can do this. I know I can do this. They could do it all along, but they've now got to the point where they know that they can do it. And that's really awesome to see. And that's so great. Again, there's so many things that that we could talk about in that definition or in that in that answer to my question. What I want to do, though, is I want to hone in on something very specific that you said. So it sounds like your own personal journey about becoming a woman of confidence, an effective leader with confidence. The first thing it sounded like you had to do was to change your paradigm about what kind about what a leader was, kind of your own picture of that domineering, demanding, kind of very authoritarian, in-your-face leader. So it began with a, a deconstruction in your own mind about your paradigm of leadership. That is absolutely right. And that's where it has to start because society gives us, shows us this picture of what a, a confident leader looks like. And it's not always true. And therefore, if I don't fit into that paradigm, like you said, then I think I'm not a leader. I don't have the ability, but that's not true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I had a very similar, um, you know, similar learnings as I became, as I graduated from, you know, a graduate school and and became, you know, became what I was doing at the time. Like really, it was it was a defining what kind of leader I wanted to be. What does leadership? What is leadership, and what does it look like? Um, I, I find okay that so often when I'm working with people, there's there's we we tend to gravitate to something. We just kind of fall into it as opposed to really deciding for ourselves who I want to be and what I want to be. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. But, and again, it comes with that awareness. I I mean, as a coach, you know how important awareness is. The awareness of, so what is it? What do I think about myself? And what has informed that kind of thinking? Where have I picked this up? Like you said, we fall into it without yeah. realizing it. But until yeah. we actually stop and begin to reflect on, so how did I get here? What are the thoughts? And it could be 
my you know part of my upbringing it could have been this the environment I was I, I was brought up in and got was educated in it could have been things people said in my earlier working years whatever it is we have to come to the point where we say okay some of these things that I have imbibed are not true <laughs> but what am I going to do about it yeah 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 so it's it again it's deconstructing a lot of old paradigms and and really deciding what I believe and how do I want to bring that to life. So okay, I'm also really curious to to know. So you you deconstruct and you decide this is my definition of leadership and this is who I want to be. It doesn't automatically happen then. It's not a magical drink, a formula that you take and suddenly you're it and you have the confidence. So what what did you do for yourself? And in a way, how do you help? That was the word that you used. How do you help others to gain the confidence to be who they want to be, to, to excel in their leadership gifting and style? You're right, Tim. It doesn't come, it doesn't come automatically. I wish it did. I wish, I wish it, it did. did. Yes. I wish you could go from the moment of realization to suddenly you're it, but no, it didn't. And I had the privilege of having some mentors and I worked with a coach as well to really help deconstruct my thinking. And it also takes people around you, your loved ones, people that look at you and know your abilities. It takes people like that to encourage you and to remind you of what you, you bring to the table, of your ability. And I also had to look back to, to my life and seen all the things I had done in the past and all the things I had accomplished without realizing that those were actually proof that I did have the ability. I did have the leadership gifting um, from when I was you know, really young and trying to organize people into doing things. And, and it took sometimes going down memory to realize that yes you've had these skills and abilities for a long time you just haven't recognized them for what they are and it also took putting myself out there because it's one thing to know but it's another thing to take action so it meant that I started to take risks that I wouldn't normally have taken and the more I did those things the more I took the risk the more I listened to the trusted voices that believed in me the more the confidence grew, the more I dealt with those thoughts that told me that maybe you can't do this or you can't do this, the more I looked at, well, I have done this and I was okay at it, so I can't be that bad. These all together, with the passage of time, then that I became more confident as time went on. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, 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 isn't, it isn't that magic formula. It's not the it's not the drink that you take. It's really trial and error, trial and error. And, and having to, again, you know, you read things. I'm, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is just, you know, every, every day there are four, five, six inspirational mes messages. But, but those inspirational messages need to be brought to light. Mm -hmm. And you, you've just described so many inspirational messages but one of the things, okay, is it's really hard. When you set out to do something, to make more of your life, to change a belief, it is really, really hard work. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your experience with that hard work, not just for yourself, but, but for the women that you work with. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is hard work. But the bottom line is you have to want to. 
and you have to want to more than anything that would stop you. So I knew that one of the things, for example, one of the things I am called to be is a communicator. So I write and I also do public speaking. But the very first time I was asked to speak, I was, I thought, I can't do this. I can speak one-on-one -on -one with people and I'm fine with that, but I cannot stand in front of people and speak. But I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I had a message to communicate and that that was part of my calling, part of who I was meant to be. Yeah. So it was that desire to do the right thing and to be who I was called to be that made me put myself out there, nervous as I was, to do what I knew that I had to do. So a lot of times when I'm working with my clients, it's about finding out how badly do you want this? What is it stopping you from? Who is it stopping you from becoming? And what is it stopping you from achieving? And if that why is big enough, then they will do the work. But if it's not, they won't. And I can't make them. You have to want it badly, badly enough to do whatever it takes to do the hard work. And it's really important to have those people around you. And that was really important for me to have those people around me that believed in me, that were championing me, that were ready to catch me if I fell, that were you know, willing to say, right, you may have not done this, got this perfect, but you did great and you'll be better, even better next time. So between them and me, we got there. That doesn't mean to say that I'm where I ultimately want to be. It's still oh. a journey. I'm yeah. still learning. I'm still constantly being pushed out of my comfort zone, but I'm always going back to, why am I doing this? How important is it to me? And if it's important enough, then I will do the work. Yeah. So how then, how then do you do that for others? Because I would imagine that you probably, you know, oftentimes people will say to me, Tim, you know, who or what is, who is your favorite client? Hmm. And it's not a who, it's not, it's not, you know, a name. It's, it's okay. the person and the person who's open to change, open to yeah. grow. Um, you probably you probably have your list of favorite clients in in terms of of personality okay what do yeah. you do when you get to that pivotal moment when you know like this is the this is the moment and you you've got to you've got to dig deep and you've got to change like again how how do you how do you when you find a client in that place how do you push them over how do I push them over? I think one of the things that I am really keen when I'm working with um, clients is to, is to get them to admit where they are. Uh -huh. Because you can't really move forward if, you, if, if you're not certain of where you are and how you got there. And that's awareness of where they are, where they need to be, and the gap between. Usually with that awareness comes, it's like the penny drops and they suddenly realize that no one's stopping them but them. And when that realization comes, it's not a case of if, it's a case of when. Because when they suddenly realize that I'm the only person who can do this, then all I really need to do is just sit back and watch them decide 
what their next steps are going to be. I think the key moment is that point of awareness where they realize that, okay, this has been stopping me from becoming this. And it's not any of the outside external people, a bad boss or a bad manager. No, it's nothing like that. It's me. And I have to take responsibility for becoming who I want to be. And then I just sit back and and wait for them to come to that. And sometimes it does take a while. It's like you said, it's not easy. Sometimes it could take a few sessions to get to that point where that realization comes. And the kind of coach I am, I am non-directional. So even if I know it from the start, I will wait until they find out for themselves. I can remember one client in particular that I coached, she was a doctor and she'd been um, sent to me by, she was a doctor in training. Um, she was sent to me because she was having some difficulty in her training and it took about we started with what seemed like what it was the problem and it took about three or four sessions before she finally said to me she made this phrase I don't think I'm enough and it was her realizing that the crux of the matter was that she did not believe she was enough Now that was game changing because it was when she realized that, that we, she then realized, okay, this is what I need to work on. Why do I think I'm not enough? And what do I need to do to get to that place where I feel like I am enough? You probably um, spent a lot of time in your coach training, um, realizing the impact of limiting beliefs. And I did as well. And so I like to think, again, for me, the paradigm that works for me when I'm working with others is to let, you know, to help them to see their limiting beliefs and then realize that the power to make those limitless beliefs um, are, is just powerful. And, and it's very rewarding work. And I'm sure you experience the same thing. Yes. Yes, it is very rewarding. It is. So, so tell me um, again. I wanted. I don't want to deviate too far from, you know, our conversation about. I mean, it's all leadership, right? Um, but, but confidence. Why is confidence so critically important for leaders? Confidence is one of those traits that are very contagious. Mm-hmm. When I show up as a confident leader, invariably, my team increases in their confidence. If I'm not confident, then it's almost like it's like begets like. It's a bit like parenting. So confidence is important so that whoever I'm leading has the permission to bring their authentic selves to the team. And they can only do that not just by what I say, but by seeing me show that confidence. And confidence is not the same as being, you know, arrogant or anything like that. No, it's just this, it's just this certainty in who I am as a person and what I bring. And not trying to be something I'm not because I think that I ought to be something I'm not. So it just gives the people we're leading permission to bring the authentic selves to the table. Again, what you've just said is you've made, you've made your confidence about someone else. About, and, and so 
confidence, it sounds like confidence is also, there's an awareness with confidence, um, but there's also a, a humility with, with confidence. Do you think that, do you think that those, how do you see that? Do you see those two things connected? And I think that that's a really hard, I think that's all, uh, sometimes a hard thing for people to grasp that a leader going back to the brash and the, 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 um, the way you first described your own paradigm of leadership. Um, but with confidence come a sense, comes a sense of humility. What, what are your thoughts about that? You're absolutely right. One of the books that I read um, many years ago, but it still sticks in my mind, is uh, a book called From Good to Great. Um, I can't remember who the author was, but I was very surprised to find out they did this um, survey and looked at different leaders of large companies. So we're not talking just small companies. And he put he described leaders in five levels. So level one, level two and level five was the, the topmost. And he described the level five leader as being this humble leader who self-effacing um, team builder who was not always at the you know forefront shouting but was leading his people and when I read that I thought that is not what you would think a level five leader was somebody who was humble very self-effacing sometimes shy and retiring and when he looked at them they weren't necessarily they didn't necessarily have all the charisma that we would expect a charismatic leader to have and yet these were the ones that made level five and took companies from good to great. So you're right. Um, confidence has to be with some humility. Humility to recognize that despite my having these strengths, I also have some weaknesses, which is why I need a team because I can't do it all. In fact, I may not even be the most, um, I may not even be the person on the team with the most skills, mm -hmm. but I can still lead them. And I can still lead them without feeling threatened by the fact that there's somebody on there who's better than me. There's somebody who can do better, who has you know more skills, who is more educated on that. And that's why leadership has to come with that humility to not think that we have to jostle position and you know try and outdo one another. No, we're working on something together. And everybody has something to bring to the table, and it's recognizing that. Yeah, yeah, that's so that's so awesome. So, so Augie, for our listeners, um, I'm sure many, many are familiar with Good to Great. That that was a book that was written way, way long ago. Thanks for reminding me how old I am. Um, but that book by, <laughs> by uh, Jim Collins, um, I don't, I don't think I read it when I was in graduate school, but it was close. It was, <laughs> it was shortly afterwards. Um, but, but the other thing that I, I really appreciate about what you just shared, you know, traits of leadership, you can't isolate traits of leadership. It, they're, they're all connected. And the way you just described the leader that doesn't have all the answers, doesn't know the most, isn't the most skilled, was the example that you just used, the leader who's not most skilled. You know, this leadership trait of confidence and humility it also impacts your work with diversity and equity in particular, and then inclusion that, yeah. you know, so the leader who recognizes I don't have all the answers needs to surround themselves with those different voices, those yeah. other voices, regardless 
of, of a person's background, ethnicity, you know, whatever, whatever the case is, and how important it is, um, you know, to be, to be that leader who gives voice to others. Absolutely. Absolutely. And lots of studies have shown the benefits of having a diverse team, the innovation that they bring and the fact that having people that think differently and have different experiences and different backgrounds is generally a positive thing for teams. And a leader has to be confident enough in themselves, but also humble enough to recognize that they have got to have other people with other skills and other ways of thinking on their teams. And yes, it means that with a more diverse team, you're more likely to have conflict. But that's part of leadership. It's learning how to deal with conflict. We can't run away from, from conflict just because we don't want to um, have confrontational um, conversations with people. We must recognize that diversity and inclusion and belonging is a very positive thing for any team, regardless of the cons that they might bring. So, okay, I, I really do like what you were saying there. Can we talk a little bit about conflict? Because the way, when, when you were describing working with others and the conflict that might happen as a result, because we are different and we don't, we're not always going to see things the same. A confident leader, to me, would say, I don't know the way this is going to turn out. I don't. But I'm confident in my ability to trust the process, to trust the good nature of others. I can trust my own inherent, you know, knowledge about how to resolve conflict. But 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 what how do you how do you see the confident leader resolving conflict and being okay with it? I think a lot depends on that confident leader. And I'll be honest, as, as a person, my personality is one that doesn't really like conflict. Okay. I'm a peacemaker, so I'd okay. rather avoid the conflict. But it's recognizing that in yourself, recognizing what kind of a person you are. So if you are someone that does not like conflict, then it means that you have to work on how to resolve conflict. Yeah. But generally, it's about communication. Yes. Most of conflict happens because of a misunderstanding or miscommunication. So it's going to take good communication to settle conflicts. And it's also, like you've alluded to earlier, that realization that I don't know it all. Yes, yes. And I have to be willing to be wrong. And I have to be humble enough to accept that I don't know it all, that I could be wrong, and give other people voice. Mm-hmm. With dialogue, I believe most conflicts, I mean, there are some that, you know, when the other person's not willing to, not willing to talk, there are some conflicts that may not be resolved ever, but most conflicts can be resolved with good communication. And um, that sense of trying to understand, trying to understand where people are coming from, trying to understand people's backgrounds and what makes them speak the way they speak, what makes them have the, the thinking patterns that they have, just really trying to understand people as a whole. Because when we do that, then it's easier for us to understand where people are coming from. It's easier for us to understand what they mean by what they're saying. So I'm very much one for communication. Let's sit down at the table. Let's talk. Let's yeah. get to the bottom of this and let's 
let's iron this out because we can. Yeah. So, um, okay, going back to, again, the way our conversation started and, and your goal, you talked about your goal of developing others and, and helping them to gain the confidence to do what it is that perhaps they were called um, to do. Um, it just, it really does sound like you painted a, a beautiful picture about how confidence really does impact somebody's results. Results that they are trying to achieve personally, results that they're trying to achieve professionally. But but the really the the more confident leader will get better results. Yes. They will get better results. They will feel better about themselves. Yeah. And they will make others feel better about themselves too. Yeah, that's just all all of it really does come together. Yeah, all of it does come together. Um, you you are somebody who who uh, who must have enjoyed their their practice as a medical doctor, and obviously you're now enjoying the work that you're doing, um, both in the, the with the Shira Network, but also in your own personal practice. What do you enjoy most? What I enjoy most. I'd like to learn about people. I am very curious about people, about who they are, why they do what they do, and what their hopes and dreams are. So the part I enjoy most in my work is seeing, seeing somebody who thought they couldn't, whatever that is, I can't do this, I can't be this or whatever, and get to the point where they can totally say, I can. For me, that's a win. And their joy becomes mine. I don't know who's more joyful. It's rather like a proud parent when you watch your child achieve those things that you knew all along they could, but they couldn't say it themselves. And when you get to that point where it's like, I did it, that is the best part of my work. That's really great. That's really awesome. Uh, okay, this has been a really fun conversation I've learned well I've learned a lot from you I've learned I, I think uh, even though you haven't you haven't uh, mentioned this but what I hear and kind of your stories and your experience that you've described is there just seems to be a real settledness or almost like a patience that your work requires some degree of patience and working with others as kind of a, a pun um, you know, no pun intended, being that you're a medical doctor and we're talking about patients, it's a different kind of patients. But it does, it does, it does require, in some ways, it does require um, the work of an executive coach to be patient. It does indeed. And it's a bit like gardening, which is one of my pet hobbies. Okay. You can plant a seed today and you can go and look at it tomorrow and it wouldn't have done anything or the okay. next day or the next day. You have to just keep doing what you need to do, water it, give it fertilizer, whatever it needs to do. But it does take time to grow and any growth takes time. So I haven't always been a patient person, I will admit, but I'm learning. And knowing that the time that it takes, especially when it's something that is worth waiting for, generally the end result is is more than the pain of waiting. Oh, that sounds so, so yes, great. you're right. Uh, 
love love the way you just said that. Love the way you just said that. Yeah, it's 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 forcing the pain that's waiting. Love it. Love it. Um, okay, this has been a great conversation. I wanted I want to thank you for your time. Um, but before we end, do you have any uh, you know final comments for our audience? Um, comments or thoughts that you would share about being you know being a successful leader, doctor, um, coach, mom, wife, anything, anything that you would want to share with our with our audience and whoever's listening in today. All through my life, one thing I have learned is that it is worth it. It is worth going after your dreams. It is worth helping others. It is worth doing the work that is required to get you from where you are to where you want to be. It won't always be easy, but if we keep at it, knowing what it is that we want, our big why, then ultimately we will get to the place where we can look back and think, yes, it was worth it. This conversation was worth it. <laughs> it yes, thank you, Tim. I have loved, I have loved being a guest on your podcast. Well, um, thank you for saying yes. And um, again, thank you for our conversation today. Um, really have appreciated it. As I said, I think I've, I've learned I've learned several different things. Um, for those listening, you have joined the Get Podcast. Once again, I'm Tim Malone. I'm owner of Your Life's Direction. And I wanna thank you for your time to join us today for this conversation. If you'd like to join me as a guest on a future Get Podcast, reach out to me at tim at yourlifesdirection.org. And you can use the same address if you're a leader who would like more information on working with me as an executive coach. Okay, again, I thank you for your time. Thank you, Tim. Those who have joined either today um, as, as we have recorded this or for those that will be listening, thank you for your time. And I invite you to um, look at our future GET podcasts. Thank you again, Oge, okay, and thanks to everyone who has listened.